Welcome to Unschooling Conversations. Today I'm joined by Rachel Evans. She's my very good friend and she uh, blogs at Connect and Respect, but she's going to introduce herself in a little minute. Um, in this episode, we are going to talk about how children learn without um, a curriculum or without an enforced um, style of um, learning. Um, we're going to talk about natural learning and we're going to answer lots of questions um, that I get asked um, fairly regularly about um, how children learn when they're being unschooled. Um, I'm Heidi Steele. I'm a former teacher and an unschooling parent to four school aged children who are happy uh, living and learning as they go. Um, I've been unschooling for or unschooling my children for almost 10 years. I blog regularly and organise coaching courses and mentoring services on unschooling, which you can find out more about at liveplaylearn.org. And you can also find me on Facebook. Um, I'm joined today by Rachel. Uh, we are going to be talking about natural learning. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you for having me on and uh, talk again. Uh, I am Rachel Evans. I have got um, two school aged boys. Um, one is nine and one is 13. My eldest child, my eldest boy went to school for three years. It was um, a really negative experience for the whole family. And so after he completed three years, um, we removed him to home educate um, and honestly never looked back. Um, and my uh, youngest boy has never been to school. Uh, and since they have been home educated, um, they we have been we we did dabble with I did dabble with I I quite like structure and I quite like routine and, and I I thought oh we could do semi structured and that would work really well for me <laughs> except that it didn't really work well for particularly for my eldest one at first um, and um, so I had to really delve into um, in fact he told me he said to me uh, this works for you it doesn't work for me. And so I had I had heard of unschooling and uh, I thought, well, I have really got to get out of my comfort zone now and start to um, find out more about this. And uh, once I'd really understood what it was about and how it could work for us and how it would completely meet the needs of both of my children, um, I have been a staunch advocate of unschooling ever since. <laughs> Fabulous. Um, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to... Um paint a little picture of what my children are doing at the moment because um, it really um, is one of the things listeners uh, really like to hear about like you know what's going on in our um, households um, and then I'll probably ask you to do the same but um, I was thinking about this earlier just before we logged on because I was trying to gather myself and, and bits um, and <laughs> My younger two, my 10-year-old and my seven-year-old, were upstairs in my bedroom um, and they had emptied the laundry baskets out and they had tipped them upside down and they were underneath them and they were swimming around on the floor pretending to be turtles, sea turtles. And it was just, it was, they were having such a lovely time. Um, it was so, it was so lovely. Um, so that's, um, that's what they were doing um, this evening my older two um are gaming and that's pretty that's pretty standard um, um there are lots of other things that are going on as well but just as a snapshot at that moment like what's going on in the house now um yeah my older two are gaming and they game um they quite frequently game together um not always um but frequently they game together and they've got a nice little um sort of 
your nice little group of online friends, um, which really uh, developed and grew and solidified, um, you know, during lockdown. That was one of the one of the one of the gifts that it, as surprising gifts that lockdown um, gave us, actually. Um, anyway, so that's what that's what they're doing. That's like a little snapshot of what's going on um, in my house this evening. Um, so what kind of things are going on in in your boys' lives at the moment? Well, I can, right this minute, I can tell you, <laughs> my younger one is um, Jamie. <laughs> I can hear him in the background. <laughs> and in fact, he's probably multitasking So, um, because he's a, a two-screen kind of guy. So um, he is um, playing a game uh, on the laptop, but he's almost certainly got um, one of his Pokemon YouTubers on as well um, because he um, is... Well, we would call it researching. He calls it just watching videos. Um, but effectively, he is researching about Pokemon. He is massively, he's massively, he's very much a, a cyclical interest child. And so we've massively come back to Pokemon recently. And um, just today, he received the brand new Legends Arcus. He calls it Arcus, it's Arceus, but we have a standing joke that it's called Arcus, but it's not. Um, so yeah, so he is, he's busy um, gathering all the information that he wants to from his favourite Pokemon YouTubers so that he knows how to best play the game that he's just got. Um, my older one. I would suspect, though I don't know because I haven't been to see what he was up to, <laughs> but I normally this time of day he would be um, reading manga. Um, so he, he has he has several several series that he follows, and his evenings are quite often spent catching up with the latest episodes. And he likes to schedule them into his day. Um, and this time of day is is often when he's catching up with that. So that's what he'll be doing right now. <laughs> Brilliant. I love that you've brought up double screening, but yeah, something that happens a lot in this mm -hmm. house, doing something on a, a PC or a laptop and then having something normally YouTube yeah. um, playing on a, on another device um, or if you're, or, you know, like split screening. Um, yeah, that's something that happens. Yeah, my, my really elder one doesn't tend to do it as much. In fact, no, he rarely does it, in fact, although he will often put music on in the background, particularly if he's reading, he, he has now found music that he feels complements and adds to the reading that he's doing. So he will often play music in the background and be reading on, on because most of, a lot of his manga subscriptions are digital. So he will often be reading and listening at the same time. Um, but my younger one particularly will be doing two completely different things. One, something on the iPad, usually YouTube, and, and often videos that he has seen before. So he, whereas my older one will almost never watch the same video twice, my younger one learns very differently. And he likes to hear the same things over and over and over again. And he's then, and then it gets to a point where he can quote huge chunks of script at you from these, um, from these, the ones that he watches. So he usually has, as you say, YouTube on one, or the very familiar set of videos going around, and then he's gaming on his laptop in the other screen. That's, that's a very common for him. And he almost invariably has, he, he uses the iPad and YouTube videos like we would use radio. Yeah. You did something really interesting when you were talking about um, 
your son watching YouTube and and you um, put it in terms of him researching, uh, which is something that you do um, really, really well. Um, So I will talk about um, a lot of the time about um, doing things that our children enjoy or following their interests or, you know, just allowing them to to choose uh, how they spend their time um, and doing things that they love. Um, and what you've done is picked out something that our children do that they love doing or that comes really easy to them um, that we might sometimes look at and go, hang on a minute. Now they're on two screens. Or um, one of the questions I get asked a lot is what are our children doing when they're watching YouTubers game? Why are they spending their time watching somebody else play a game that they really like and, and not really being able to? um see what our children are doing and and so you put it in like almost like an educational term right yeah which is you know he's doing research and he doesn't see it as research he doesn't go I'm going to go and research today he just goes I want to go and watch this person play this game that I really like um but it brings us nicely round to um you know what does learning what does learning look like and what does learning look like um you know, what does it look like for your children in your house? You know, one of the ways it looks is watching YouTubers play their favourite game. Um, are there any other examples of things you can think of that ha- what learning looks like? You can now support the podcast on Ko-fi. That's K-O-F-I, where you can contribute via a one-off uh, collection of £5 or by subscribing monthly. Monthly subscribers receive pre-releases on blog posts, uh, previews uh, for the podcasts and free access to monthly webinars and more um, as a thank you for your ongoing support. So if you are a regular listener, I would like to invite you to contribute via ko-fi.com forward slash live, play, learn. Of course, if that's not within your capabilities right now, I continue to welcome you here just as you are. And thank you for listening and taking time to consider unschooling in your family. And now back to our unschooling conversation. Um, well, I think one of the things I think you've, kind of, you've made us think about just now is, is kind of what I'm starting to think is the difference between conscious and unconscious learning. So I, I very much class, you know, watching um, the gamers playing their games, the favourite games they play, um, is, it has started, it starts as a, or what I think is an unkind, they just enjoy watching it. And, and certainly for my younger one, it's a way of desensitising into a new thing. So they can, he can watch somebody playing something and then, the anxiety about trying something new has been reduced because he has an expectation of what it's going to look like. So whilst he doesn't see it as I'm desensitizing myself and getting new ideas, I can see that's what's happening. Um, And this is an unconscious thing for him. He's not consciously planning this. It is an unconscious process. And I would say also this idea of research is his up to now been unconscious but now I'm starting to see where he'll say oh I need to find out about that I know that in this video I'm going to go and check that out and mum could you write this down for me so that I have got it 
So I start to see that as more as in consciously starting to refer to the materials that he's just been watching for fun, but he knows where they are. And he's consciously picking out the information that he needs so that he can use that when he goes and plays. So that, that's really, it's been a really, it's, it's a current shift that's just happening with him. And it's really, really interesting. Um, but I would say in terms of what my children are doing in terms of their learning, they, they watch and they game. They, it's, um, you know, my, my elder one is hugely fascinated by, it came from Japan and it's, it came from starting with anime. And he has, and then it moved on to manga. Manga covers just the most enormous range of topics from completely bizarre and, you know, um, out of this world to, ancient Chinese military warfare, to um, basketball, to football, to Vikings. And again, I don't think he sees this as learning. He just sees it as an interesting manga. Um, but all the while, that unconscious learning, that unconscious learning about the Vikings and the ancient Chinese military warfare, he will come and tell me all about you know, various leaders and he's really interested in the strategy. He'll come and say to you, oh, it's amazing, the strategy and tactics they these leaders have used in this, in this manga, in, in this in this war that they're having in this in this manga. And and that has then led him to want to seek out other things with similar themes. So it is it's always driven by interest and passion. Um, off the back of that, he's, you know, he's found um, podcasters who live, young men podcasters who live in Japan. Um, I think one of them is originally Australian, one of them is a Brit, one of them, and they, they started talking, um, podcasting about the, the manga and the anime. And of course, over time, it is extended into different you know, facets of Japanese life and Japanese culture. And so he, off the back of that, his his appreciation of his understanding and his learning about Japanese culture has expanded to the point where he has taken up karate. <laughs> and, it, and that's it's following these passions and allowing that to continually grow. You, you tend to think, oh, they're just watching YouTube or they're just doing this. And if you don't get involved, and I think it's the beautiful thing about unschooling is it, it's it's very people tend to think it's about oh you let them do what they want and you know and you just you just don't pay any attention and you leave them in a corner and somehow it will all happen and that couldn't be further from the truth um yes we allow them to follow their passions but we also become interested and passionate and about their their, their interests so we can see when they are you know watching various things we can see what's happening and also we can then know what to so he says i say to me oh about um martial arts and i'm like well actually funnily enough there is a local group for home educated children that is martial arts would you like to try it and of course my first the first response i get is no <laughs> because of the way that you know my challenges my children have but um you know i know that it is something that he would like and I, I know him very well so over a period of time gradually desensitizing this and having these conversations about this he actually agreed to start the martial arts and then from that we decided that, that particular martial arts wasn't working for us so we found a much more um formalized karate which 
was not something that I would have ever expected him to do. And he's absolutely loving it. And from that came an interest in fitness and personal fitness. And now he's got a personal fitness trainer um, that he is. So, it, this, but this has all come from the back of watching hours and hours and hours of anime. And if I had decided at that point to limit that because it wasn't worthwhile, educational, valuable, we would have lost all the learning that was driven from the interest and the usefulness and the relevancy and everything else that's come off the back of it. But because I, because when we unschool, we become partners in our children's learning and we become invested in, I mean, I've learned so much about Japan and so much about manga and anime and in fact when we went to Waterstones recently and um, they didn't have a price on the back of this particular book in from the manga section and I said to her oh, the, the, um, the, the shop assistant could you possibly give me a price check on on this and she said oh well not all of the manga is is um, printed in this, this country so we don't have English prices and what I decided not to tell her was actually it wasn't a manga it was a manoir because it was Korean um, <laughs> but I only know that because I have been invested and interested in the passions of my children because as schoolers, that's what we do. It's not about sticking them in a room and letting them get on with it. We do become very involved with our children's passions. And because we are involved, we and we and we trust that they won't stay doing this. It might sometimes feel like they're doing the same thing forever. But actually, when you step back and look at it, you can see the changes over time as to where they're going. Um, and therefore, you can facilitate all the various conversations and next steps and offer them. Um, Fantastic. I think you've answered all those questions that I have listed down that I said we were going to look at. <laughs> I'm going to pick them out. I'm going to draw them out so that so that we can really be explicit about this. We're going to um, sort of, uh, yeah, like draw a few things out. Um, that was brilliant. Um, so one of the things that people quite often ask me is um, how will our children learn new things? Like if they only had, so I, I mean, actually this question comes in two parts because one of the questions is what if my child only has one interest and just focuses on that thing? How will they uh, learn new things and, and broaden out? And then the flip side of that is what if my child doesn't have one interest and they just flip around lots and lots of different little things and they don't um, invest their time in learning something, I'm going to use the word properly, like learning something in depth. Um, and so how will they learn new things? And you've brilliantly uh, drawn out a picture for us there about how one thing can actually lead to a multitude of um, other areas of interest, other, you know, other topics completely, um, things that we might divide up into different areas in terms of, you know, you've got like a physical aspect there, you know, karate and getting a physical trainer, you know, there's reading, there's gaming, there's there's knowledge, you know, geography, looking at Japan, there's history, my, my, yeah. my camera's going wonky. Um, yeah, so you've beautifully drawn that out there. But one of the um, things that we don't get to do when we're not using the curriculum is we don't get to foresee that. We don't get to say, here's the curriculum. You're going to learn this, this day, this, the next day, or this, this week, or that next week. And it's all packaged out beautifully for us. And I think that's one of the things that um, we can maybe find tricky because we can't see how it's going to unfold and we can't see how that's going to work out and what one person might one person's learning journey 
they might start with manga um you know so for example my son really likes manga as well but he's not interested in karate that's not part of his learning journey that's not where um it has taken him he is exploring a completely different area or it's all um, he has made completely different connections that have then led to other different connections so his journey looks um his learning journey looks completely different to your sons even though sort of their starting point their main interest um is is the same but it's this unfolding and this trusting that our children will move on they will stay curious they will keep asking questions um they will keep um engaging with the things that interest them um and one of the things or one of the reasons that they continue to do that and one of the reasons that they do do that is because of our involvement and our facilitation and us um saying yes that idea that you know when they say can I do this yes you can can we look at this yes you can can we go here can we research this you know what is there out there oh I'm really interested in karate right well I've got access to um not a knowledge base in the wider home ed community and I can find out where there's karate classes and offer them um, and that involvement um and that support and facilitating what they're doing um, is what then enables them to stay curious because as soon as you start saying no um, sort of arbitrarily saying no because I don't know because you can't be bothered or because you're not interested or or because you, other reason, feel or, that you, or you feel that you can't see where it's going that it's a waste of yeah time. or it's a waste of time so you're overlaying that yeah. um, onto it as soon as you start doing that you start that's when you start shutting them down and those questions that they're asking they start stop this they start stopping and it's not stopping they stop asking them um because they haven't been validated and they haven't been seen as important and they haven't been supported our children haven't been supported my, um, my best example of, of that um was my son went through a phase of asking for lots of different um video games and i was like you know constantly spending all this money on games that he dibbles and dabbles and then goes off again and I remember one particular occasion he asked me for civilization and I didn't really know anything about it um and I was I was I was on the verge of saying no that's enough I've bought you loads and loads of games that you've not really settled into but I didn't I had a quick look at what it was and decided it was, it was appropriate. It wasn't anything out, you know, it was completely not appropriate for, for, for him. And, and I said, yes. And off the back of that has been the most incredible learning web. And I think this is what how unschooling is very different to school learning is school learning is very linear and siloed and, and um, subject compartmentalized. Whereas I see natural learning and, and unschooling allowing a web of learning and civilization led to the most extraordinary explosion in a web of learning. He suddenly, having played the game, he was suddenly very interested, not only in the strategy and the tactics and all the numeracy that's involved in that game and all the, and, and all the reading that's involved in the game, but um, also he became aware of um, religions and politics and various scientific discoveries and landmarks and geography and um, political figures and historical figures. And it, it was a, an absolute explosion of knowledge that came up. And then he wanted to add 
to download different um, packs where you can use the true start locations rather than random start locations in this, in, on this random map. So he was able to download the real world and to actually start the campaigns with London in London and Britain where Britain was and everywhere. And suddenly he knew where all the countries in the world was, his geography knowledge and his capital city knowledge. You know, and as I, as I went through um, his room one day, I saw him reading a whole thing about the various queens of England because he wanted to understand what they what their characters were so that he could utilize that to best effect in the in the game. Now, if I said, right, today we are going to have, we're going to play civilization and we're going to look at, you know, Queen Victoria, I mean, it was, simply wouldn't have happened. Um, so, um, but because it was passionate, because he was interested in civilization, all of that came off the back of me saying yes to him playing civilization and being comfortable with the idea that it might not last very long. Um, but actually, it was it was the one thing that really impressed on me the, the importance of saying yes. Fabulous. We both obviously have gamers in our house. Um, and a lot of what our children well um, not so much my younger two although they do game but not with the same um, intensity Um, and the interesting thing about having four children is that I can see that they all have access to the same things um, and they all use them completely um, differently but one of the things one of the stories I have is about my um, my second son um, and he must have been eight or nine you know he must have been about eight or nine and he was really really into playing Fortnite. that was that was a really big thing for quite a long time um and like you say like you just look at some things and you think what what <laughs> where is this going what is this what are they learning um but just trusting that process um and um you know just sometimes leaning into the fact that he he was really enjoying it and he was like for to all intents and purposes he was improving in his skill in the game um so I could see through observation that there was something he was acquiring something from that um but we went to a museum and I can't remember which museum it was but they had um like a little um a setup of a battle you know and they had this hill and they had the little cannons and the little army here and the little and the army up there and you know they had it all laid out and my eldest I can remember him saying um like who who won this what's going on like you know really like trying to work out who these people were and what they were doing and there I was trying to read really rapidly all the information about this battle and, and what was going on and, and who was going to win and how it was worked out. But my second son took one look at it and he went, well, clearly that army over there is going to win because they've put these people over here and they're going to. And but it was all to, it was all relatable to like Fortnite, like he had it all sussed out, like how this battle played out just from this model. Um, because of all his experience playing Fortnite and there I was trying to rapidly read it and then I was like oh yes you're right what he said (laughs) you know like what he said Um, because yeah because of all this time that he had put into um, into playing Fortnite I also took him to the Imperial War Museum okay um, which um, was was fascinating it was just me and him 
Um, and it was absolutely fascinating, but he knew the names of like all of the weapons and he could tell me what their range, like he had all the stats, you know, what their range was and what they, and what they fired and, you know, how powerful they were. And it was, I think to stand as by, it was probably a little bit disconcerting actually, um, but he had acquired all this like statistical knowledge. Um, but even the skills they get, because we've had a massive, we've had, we've had uh, my younger one has gone definitely through several phases of um, being quite focused into Fortnite. And, um, and having sat and watched and listened to an awful lot of play, it is, when you start to, when you start to really look at it, it's so rich in learning. Um, particularly, I mean, I, what I noticed that at one point he was playing in a group and um, the ability for them to organise each other and to work together and to make decisions about the group and who, you know, who was going to rescue and revive who and so on and so forth. All of those skills, those communication skills, those organisation skills, that the team working, which, which is so important was actually being developed through a game that they simply saw as fun. And um, when you look at, I mean, like evaluation, my, my son can evaluate which weapons are best for which strategies and in which particular situation he's gonna use it in. Whilst it's in the context of Fortnite and the weapons they're gonna use, the skill of evaluating and matching the correct items to the correct situation is a life skill. Um, it's, and it's about perseverance and those split second decisions and all of these things are embedded in these games that unless you sit and really engage with your children in the games that they're playing, you would, you'd only, if you didn't do that, you'd only see, oh, they're just shooting each other, you know, I don't see what they see in that. It's when you get involved with your children and you can see how they are moving in a terrain. Um, but to, to, to best, you know, to avoid you know, being detected or to um, plan how they get, so they're going to get from A to B. All of these skills are embedded in a game that is they're playing purely because it's fun. And one of the things they do is, I mean, I, I, I think we're both quite excited about this, really. Um, <laughs> one of the things uh, my guys do, particularly now they've got a core group of friends that they play with regularly and even when they bring in other people, when they do something like Fortnite or other team games, they all know each other's skills. They all know. They'll, so they will say to each other, you're really good at building. Can you go and build a tower over there? And someone else say, well, you're really good at like, you know, sneaking or whatever it is, you know, not sneaking. That might be the wrong word. Um, stealthing. That's what they call yeah. it, isn't it? Stealthing. Being stealthy. You go and, you go and, um, you know, go and, um, you know, spy on that group or infiltrate that and and steal what we need or they all know each other's um they all know each other's skills and then when they come to doing things like um you know finding loot they don't just keep it for themselves they go oh actually i've i've found this and actually you're really good at picking locks and i've got this item you have that and someone else say oh you're oh, really this good is at your favorite weapon and you do really well with that so yeah. i'll give you this and do you have any of this yeah. all of that sharing and, and say, utilizing the best resources for the best yeah. character and understanding each other yeah. really well um as well and having and building those really um you know that's like deep friendship stuff isn't Absolutely. it I know you well enough to know that if I need help with this I mean talk, you know talking about transferring those skills into the real life I know you well enough that I know if I need help with this you're the person I can ask 
um, and you will um, give me really good advice or be able to help me, you know, build that house or, you know, find a car or, you know, write an essay, um, you know, whatever it is, it's those being able to transfer those um, skills into real life, which leads me on to um, a lot of the things that we're talking about, um, a lot of the things that our children are interested in. So, you know, my girls are playing at sea sea turtles with baskets um and, and, <laughs> um and gaming and you know manga and my you know my daughter's really into art I've got my seven-year-old is absolutely delving deep into her Barbie world and that has been going on for like two years now um these are all things that you will not find on a UK school curriculum you know there is no uh, manga or, or or even if there is a manga study it's only going to be a term of manga study um you know there isn't a course on you know fortnight gameplay um that you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to spend two years delving deep in and into your passion of playing with barbies um and even my daughter who likes art um outside of school that looks completely different which I could go into how that looks completely different but it's not a set curriculum um she learns about different artists when she picks up a book about an artist and she wants to find out more um you know she you know logs onto YouTube and she might follow a tutorial every now and then or she might just do her um her own thing she spent six months last year drawing eyes you know as in and I, physical eye, not the letter I. Um, you know, different styles, different shapes, different sizes, different animals, um, and exploring that. It wasn't a curriculum based, it wasn't set out in the curriculum. So even though it sounds like a schooly subject, uh, the way that she explores it isn't schooly. Anyway, the question really is: um, if our children are learning all these things that aren't being taught in school um how are they going to learn everything they need to know how is you know because they're not doing the school subjects that that are being taught there so how are our children going to know um all the things that they are going to need to know well I just think it's funny I've, I've talked about this before and some of my um my, my other um talks and blogs and things that I've done uh for me um it's an interesting question because there's two questions here is some people ask me how are they going to learn all the things that they need to know? And they either, or they mean one of two things. One is so that they can pass exams or they can live their lives. And these are two very different questions. And well, the thing I would say, what I have noticed with my, all the reading and all the observation I've done, both of myself and my learning, because I've become much more conscious of how I learn and why I learn and why I'm interested in something, but also watching them is for me, there are four things that drive our learning. It's if you need to know something, if you find something useful for your life, if you find something interesting or it's relevant. And it's generally those four things that drive my children's learning. So when you say, how do how will they learn the things they need to know for life? If they need to know it for life, it will come up in life and we learn it when it happens. My younger son has naturally learned to read without any particular 
formal teaching or curriculum or plan to read. And because of the way that he's learned, he has learned large and complex words first, and yet his, um, because that's what he's needed to know to understand the text that he's looking at. He's not needed to know yet what the individual letters sound like. So um, that is something that he's starting to do as he becomes more and more interested in building, as he becomes more familiar with words and he's starting to recognize the sounds and pairing them. Now he's learning the sounds associated with the individual letters because that's what's needed and interested for him now. Whereas that's not been needed and relevant and interesting for him up to this point because he's been reading contextually. So it's we say so we assume that it's all going to go in a very linear, simple and building up fashion. And I think when you have natural learning, that's not the case. Something might become needed or useful or relevant or interesting in a different order and in a different way, depending on what's happening in your life. And if you genuinely need it for life, when you look at learning as a lifelong thing, it doesn't matter whether you learn it at eight or you learn it at 14 or 25 or, or 95, if it didn't become needed or useful, or obviously didn't need it. <laughs> Whereas the other question is how will they learn all the things they need to know to pass an exam? That's a different question. Because often on exam curriculum, there is a set of things you need to know that might never be needed other than to pass the exam, it might not be useful or interesting or relevant to you, only to meet those criteria to pass an exam, which is why our plan has always going to be, we will take, if we need a formal qualification following our passions, we will look at doing it then, as opposed to at 16, let's learn all this content and take all the exams because we might need it in the future. That, which is the very much the school way of looking at um, getting what you need to know for life or for, for, for your exams. We're doing the opposite way around. We're saying we'll continue to follow our passions. If at some point, and, and my eldest one is already talking about how, what he's going to do to be more independent in terms of financially independent and thinking about, he's already saying, I want to start to set my alarm in the morning because I want to learn to get up because when I get a job, so this is not this assumption I can't be bothered to get a job, it's like when I get a job, so he's already making that, and that's not, that's not driven by me, that's internally, intrinsically driven by him. And so if he gets to the point where he is saying, I'm really interested in this, and I think I can make money or have a job in this, if then he needs a qualification in it, then we have a need for a qualification, and then we will go and learn a curriculum content because it then meets the criteria of being needed and being relevant and being interested at that point, um, which is very different to how it's done outside of unschooling. <laughs> very different. It's like topsy turvy. It's actually, it's like it's completely the other way. Yeah. the other way around and one of the things you've mentioned that we've not mentioned yet so I'm gonna I'm gonna draw that out now um is the internal motivation um that what our children are doing and what they're choosing to do um comes from like an internal innate drive um actually from within them um that motivates them on to ask questions to to you know persevere with whatever you know new thing that they're doing to do the research and watch the youtubers 
um, all that stuff is driven by an internal motivation. Whereas when we're talking about turning everything up and topsy-turvy, school isn't, it's all external. Yeah. Um, it's a system that has to be um, where they have to use external. And I don't use have to very often, but they have to use external motivation um, because actually why, <laughs> why else? Why, you know, when you start to question it, why do I want to sit here and learn this right now? Um, I don't really. I'd rather be, I would actually, you know, as children or young people, you know, they'd rather be doing probably a, a very large number of other things um, than sitting in a school classroom. So they have to use external motivation. Um, to get through that content yeah, that's chosen by somebody else. Yeah. And I mean, in primary schools, that very much looks like reward charts and stickers okay. and certificates and you know, all, you know, or removal of privileges, removal of break times, removal right. of, you know, or the threats of you'll be sent to the teacher or you won't be able to go and have your golden time or whatever it is. Yeah. Whereas yeah. that doesn't occur at all for us because they're constantly following their passions and their interests and that intrinsic motivation is high. It's what's the key. And I'm not trying to entice them to learn something by using external motivation, by using a, you know, a, a sparkly motivator um reward system or otherwise um which includes for me um certain narratives around if you don't do this you won't get a job um you know that that that's that's an external motivator as well you know if you don't do this you will fail in life if you don't do this you won't get your exams um those are external motivators be you know even though they are negative motivators yeah. they're you know motivations of fear really um, yeah. and those things just aren't aren't part of our toolkit um of of you know but that doesn't mean to say that we can't have a conversation but it's it's framed differently so for example i might say to to, to one of my children these are skills that you might find useful later as we go through life that doesn't mean to say we have to learn them now and I'm going to force you and I'm going to but it starts to sow those seeds because I think and particularly with some of the challenges that my, my children have got is that um it's a long game um so it's and I think like the example of, of, of my older son um setting the alarm that uh, the idea came from a we had an external speaker come and talk to us um Dr Andy Cope and um, he talked about the idea of instilling good habits, which was something that really obviously resonated with my older one. And two years on, he's almost exactly two years on, I think, um, he, my older one is saying, well, I want to get into the habit of setting an alarm and getting up early so that I'm used to that for when I get a job. And so it's, that's a two year, and it's not something that we've necessarily we've, we've, we've talked about it but I don't make a we're not making a big thing of it you know um and I, I don't set an alarm unless we have to get up for a particular reason um but it's something that obviously it has he's taken on board and he's decided intrinsically within himself that it's a skill that he wants to be familiar with or you know um practice um for a point where he thinks it will be more more required of him um, and I think well we see that coming, say, from an internal drive as opposed to, you know, somebody say, well, well, if you don't make them get up, how will they ever learn to get up for a job? And I'm like, 
I don't need to have that conversation. You know, we can have a conversation that says these skills might be helpful as you as you get older, but there's no fear in it. There's no coercion in it. There's no punishment in it. They are ideas that we're, we're putting out without any baggage around it. And what's really interesting is, or what I find really interesting is, you use that example of um, your um, eldest wanting to you know, rehearse that skill and, and know how that feels and get into the habit. And, and he's taken, he's taken that idea for himself and he's putting a plan in about how he wants that to work out. Um, but what happens in unschooling is that that's not going to be the same for everybody. That's not a blueprint for how every other 13 year old or 14 year old or 15 year old may explore that for themselves that's just that's how he has taken that on board and decided um to do that one of the things um I find really interesting is my 13 year old has um an interesting relationship with sleep and always has done um and people will say how will he get up you know when he has to go to a job for example or how will he, how, or how does he get up in the morning when there's something that you need to do that day that requires him to get up so last week we went out for the day um, as a family and we had to leave the house by 9 30 in the morning we were catching a train that was our ideal I mean if we'd been a bit later it wouldn't have mattered but I you know it was early not in his time normal awake time at all um, but because he wanted to go because he wanted to come with us he was able to get up and do that. You know, so that's back to that self-motivation thing, that internal motivation. And that's the same when they, you know, that can be applied for when they get a job. You know, when they find something they want to do, they will adjust their lives, their sleep cycles, their, you know, whatever they need to have in place to be able to do that. Um, and like you say, it's that long game as well, like learning um is a long game it doesn't end at 18 when they take their a levels or you know maybe if you go to university it doesn't end then that's not we don't have this end goal this end this finish line of education um you know it's a long game we can learn things forevermore ongoing into the rest of our lives and I think that was something that it really um, hit home. But when I started really looking at unschooling and how I wanted my children's experience of learning to be different to what I had. I remember when I left, so I'd gone through GCSEs, A-levels, did a four-year first degree, then I did a master's. I remember got to the end of my master's and I'm like, I never want to learn anything ever again. And as far as I was concerned, that was my learning done. Now, obviously you know, all the unconscious learning as we go through life was, was something that I was not clocking, but it was only, it was only, you know, during, so that was it, 20 years old, it was only, it was only through my children's, looking at my children's learning journey and looking at, at how different it can be when you are learning things from a place of intrinsic motivation and interest and relevancy and usefulness in your own life, that my own love of learning has returned 
and is blossoming. And I, you know, I, I, I just, there's never enough time to learn all things you want to learn. <laughs> um, and you know, I'm very, very much now embraced. I'm constantly learning. There's always new things. And I'm now, now that I've my, I have, I understand better how I learn now because of the journey that I've been through with my children and that, you know, and my, I'm turning over years of, of, you know, um, assumptions and, and thoughts about, about learning that I'm having to reject from my own experience of school and embracing that anew for my own learning now. I'm loving it. It's amazing. You know, to, to have to not have that, that, that fear and that, 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 that judgment all the time. I think that's another massive difference for our children is that, um, like for example, if, if your children are doing something, they do it for themselves. They're not, you know, my, my eldest has, has suddenly discovered this um, AI writer, story writing. He doesn't write the stories for me to evaluate as a child would at school. They, they're only writing the story because the teacher's going to mark it and assess where they are and judge it. My son writes these stories because he loves writing these stories. And, and actually, he doesn't really want to show me because they are his stories for him. They are not written to be judged. And when you don't judge our children and we don't judge what they're doing and grade it and market and assess it, I think they're much more likely to take risks and run with it than when they are in school and... Um, know that everything they do is doing is doing for a reason of being judged and not at all for the passion of doing it and that is a completely different that's setting a completely different tone for life in general um when you are when school children are only doing things for assessment versus our children that are doing own things only because they love doing them and uh, what also I'm, I'm always amazed at how core skills come out as a byproduct of following passions as opposed to doing those things to generate and learn the core skills it's it, again it's flipped it's completely flipped over yeah which is why um it's i think it's one of the reasons why people can find it quite disconcerting is that complete um, flip over of everything and trust in that process and trust in um that learning that isn't set out before us so you've mentioned um how much unschooling has impacted your life personally um so i'm just going to quickly remind people or let people know that you and i have uh done a previous pod podcast on de-schooling um and i won't explain um what de-schooling is but if people um particularly those of you who have um, uh, recently deregistered your children um, and are looking at unschooling, um, a podcast on de-schooling first um, will be really um, helpful for you. Um, but it links really nicely to your what you were just saying about how, um, how we have to, you know, un unpick, relearn a lot of the things that we were taught at um, school about what learning is and what learning looks like and, and how it is um, and rediscover for ourselves like mm. a love of learning in our in our own lives. Yeah and, and particularly where you're not in a situation where you're going to be assessed. I think one of the other things I was pondering before we, we came on and talked about this is some of the assumptions that um, are different when you unschool as compared to a child that's in school. So we make a baseline assumption that 
children are born innately driven to learn and understand their environment. We know and we trust that children want to understand. Um, and given a rich enough and supportive environment, they will learn and understand and make connections and understanding where the when you're in a school system, there's, an, there's almost an, an assumption that children can't learn anything unless they're explicitly taught by experts and that they're completely incapable of learning unless they're taught. And I think these two fundamental assumptions that sit that underpin the foundation of the two different um, paradigms cause a completely different outlook in in the way that children learn and the way that they view themselves you know and my, my, I think I hope and believe my children feel they are competent learners they can go out and learn and understand and if they can't understand something themselves they can go and find an expert if they need to or find a book or find a resource or find but it, it they're starting with a, um, a fundamental principle of understanding that they can go and understand the world driven internally with an internal locus of control. Whereas when you're in a schooling paradigm, the assumption is the child is passive, that they, they are like an empty computer box, a computer that needs to be coded with data and programs in order to function as a human being. And that is simply not borne out from my experience and from from, from my own personal experience, but also from watching my children learn and how they understand the world and navigate the world around them. It, it's, you know, it, it absolutely, um, my children are very active and exploratory and, and listening, particularly for my younger one, who has never been to school and seeing his comfort and ease with numbers and numeracy, for example, and how, how naturally he's picked up reading. Um, without a sort of any kind of formal teaching at all, um, proves to me that children are in a supportive environment that's rich, will seek to understand the world in which they're engaged in. Yeah, I think one of the things that um, does us a disservice actually is um, comparing our children with children in school. Um, so because of the way that things are so entirely different and because we are um, allowing their natural learning to unfold, um, comparing that to how children in school are being prescribed learning. Um, so what our children are learning and choosing to learn is not comparable with what children are being taught in schools. Um, so, you know, so when we do that, uh, side by side um, you know what are children learning in maths in year two what are, what's my child learning in in maths at the same age it's really unhelpful um, because it's it's not the same process um, at all um, no. and so we do ourselves sure. a disservice by focusing on that instead of focusing on what is my child doing? How are they learning? What skills are they acquiring? What interests do they have? Um, in which we can then celebrate the things that are happening instead of looking at and comparing it to school and wondering and looking at what's missing, you know, in, you know, via that comparison. I think the other interesting thing that's really struck me in the last couple couple of years is the difference between real uh, learning and understanding versus um sort of short-term memory recall 
So, um, and I think it, particularly we're looking at sort of tests and worksheets and that kind of thing. And, and um, what I noticed is my children get a very deep understanding. It's not just, I think, I think I've read a book somewhere, it was likened to, um, you can memorize the places on a map um, and that was is kind of like, and you can you can you can you can recite them, and you can give that as a test. But real deep understanding is knowing how to navigate between the places on the map. And I very much see that with my children is that their learning is is web like and is deep and is a um, a really it's it's about adding to their mental models of the whole of the world and their understanding rather than simply being able to recall a set of information that they might need for a test it is they're very very different skills and very different paradigms and arguably i would say it's it takes longer and is um a sort of um less obvious process learning process when you're learning in this very deep connected way whereas if you're trying to generate a kind of go through a curriculum and a list of of activities and you do a worksheet and say, oh yes, well, they know that. It, it doesn't necessarily mean they've learned it in the same deep sense that when you're allowed to explore it and generate those connections, there are two different types of learning uh, from, 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 from as far as I, I, I see it in terms of, I see my children uh, and from my own experience of being in school. Um, and so it can look like our children are not getting through as much content, but I feel that the learning is very different and the education and the understanding is very different um, in when they can explore it and, and make those connections for themselves. I would like to know where we can read your blog, which you mentioned um, earlier. Um, so can you tell us a little bit um, about, yeah, where we can find you on social media um if people want to come and listen to more about um your educational journey in your family your home educating journey so predominantly um what my 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 blogs and my my general musing, musings on life in general um are posted on my website which is um connectandrespect.co.uk um i have lots of blogs and um recordings and i think i think our blog our, our deschooling blog is um <laughs> is, is also on there um and i have a facebook page called connect and respect um, which I, I share things as well. Um, I go through periods of being quite prolific and periods of being quite quiet, depending, because I'm very much motivated by writing when I feel called to write, as opposed to just writing once a week or whatever. Um, so that's where you can find me. So that's my website, connectingrespect.co.uk or my Facebook page, connectingrespect. Brilliant. Thank you ever so much for coming and joining me here again. And it's been um, amazing to... Um, talk about natural learning with you and how that um, looks in um, our lives and I know people really appreciate us sharing those um, things as a way of you know just showcasing showcasing is the wrong word really but maybe spotlighting you know yeah. what that can look like um, as a way of encouraging those families who are not operating in mainstream education anymore um, and listeners can uh, join me again next month when I will be talking to another lovely guest on on a topic from an unschooling <laughs>